and welcome to the Post Party Project. My name is Amy Heinrich and I am your host. Join me as we chat all things postpartum, celebrating the highs and supporting you through the lows. Everything pregnancy and birth is just such an exciting time, but often chats about postpartum experiences get missed or overlooked because everything's about the baby, which we are also totally here for. But I'm here to hear you and hold you, figuratively speaking, and to listen to your experience. Think of this podcast as your safe space to share, vent, cry, laugh, and know that you're not alone. Now, let's get into it. Hello, and welcome back to the Post Party Project. In today's episode, I am joined again by Beck. She is from the Relationship Circle. Beck is an award-winning dating and relationship coach, a number one international best-selling author, and she's the founder of the Dare to Date membership. Beck also shared her birth story and postpartum story with me early on in my podcast. Uh, you can listen to her chat about that in episode two. In today's chat, we chat about relationships postpartum, Beck's area of expertise. We chat about setting up the foundations pre-birth, what to do if you have different parenting styles, sex after a baby, how to navigate different sex drives, how to deal with any conflicts that may come up with the in-laws, getting the spark back, and what to do if you're really considering ending things with your partner. I hope you get a lot out of this episode. I had so much fun chatting with Beck about all things relationships. If you're enjoying the show, it would mean the absolute world to me if you could subscribe and leave a review. But if not, I totally understand life is busy and things get in the way. <laughs> but if you do have a minute, it would be so awesome and I would love you forever. <laughs> This week's episode is sponsored by Stitch and Straw. Started by a mother of three and her FIFO husband, they sell handcrafted rattan homewares and home decor. They have a range of stunning rattan toys, change tables, doll houses, doll bassinets, mirrors, and more. They've been so generous to give listeners of the Post Party Project a discount code, perfect with Christmas coming up. All you need to do is use the code PPP15 for 15% off at checkout. Their website is Stitch and straw.com we'll also be doing a competition with them very soon so make sure you keep an eye out on my instagram which is at the post party project now let's get into today's show i am very excited to be joined by beck again today on my podcast so if anyone hasn't listened beck is episode number two where she shares her birth story and postpartum but today i'm chatting with beck about her area of expertise so welcome beck thank you i didn't realize it was so long ago when you said episode two i was like whoa i was right at the beginning so cool <laughs> yeah awesome yeah so if anyone hasn't listened to that um do you want to give us a little rundown about what you do for work and kind of i guess what we're going to be chatting about today yeah, absolutely. So my um, role is a dating and relationship coach. My business is The Relationship Circle and I work with um, single women generally, but actually more, look, let's just say single people because more and more men seem to be coming to me um, when they're looking for love. And then I also work with couples um, generally when they're experiencing some sort of issue in their relationship that they need support with. Mm, so good. And yeah. today I'm so excited to chat with you all about our relationships postpartum and what we can kind of do to navigate that new change in our lives. Mm, mm, so important. 
Yeah, awesome. So let's get into it. Just as we were chatting mm. a little bit off air, you mentioned foundations. So how do we get the foundations set up and when should we look into doing that in our relationship? Yeah, look, anytime, but ideally prior to having your first kid. If, if, you, if you've already had your kid, it's okay. You haven't failed at this. But if, there's, if you have some time and some space prior to having your first kid, that's when you have the space to be able to have the conversations around like how do you want to parent how were you parented um you know what's important to you what are your values around that there's so many things that can be explored prior to having a child so that when you go into like everyone knows here who's had a kid that the stress levels are high you have very little sleep um and then we're doing a brand new set of skills once you have a kid so prior to having the kid would be best Mm, that's so interesting that you said how were you parented because I feel like that's Mm -hmm. kind of something that can come up in conversations just like I know my partner and I have that chat quite a bit because it's like you just reflect on your childhood and things that kind of came up for you do you find that then that's usually how we will parent based on how we were parented (laughs) yes if you haven't put thought into how you're going to parent absolutely you'll just duplicate um you know what your parents did and I, I want to remind everyone, and I don't know if this is like a common fact, but between the ages of zero to seven, you get all your beliefs, all your values, the way the world works, all of that gets imprinted in your brain. And 95% of the time you operate out of that place, right? So we're all just like big kids walking around. So obviously in that time you were raised, so you've gathered how you were raised in that time. And people get so stuck on that being the right way because it's, so implanted in your brain Mm. as to how it is yeah Mm. so interesting yeah because I find that even with me and my daughter Ivy like sometimes when I'm not thinking I'll say things that I literally then I have a flashback to my mum saying it to me (laughs) I sound like my mum so what are some of the main conflicts that you see come up in relationships post-birth yeah I think a massive one is the Oh, what's the word like the sharing of duties or household duties or parenting or um it generally sits at the beginning when people are tired it tends to center around who does what and one person picking up more of the slack than the other this kind of I see tends to be okay let's say two weeks a month post-birth because you're both home uh, but then when one goes back to work that's when things really change because the person who goes back to work goes back into life as normal in a way and the other person's at home um and I know for me because I had a cesarean I was at home for six weeks like I didn't leave the house without walking anywhere so I couldn't drive anywhere um so I think that gets raised a lot and then I think as kids get older it's around the the lessons and the values that we want to teach our children that seems to be what people are trying to get across when they parent they want to they want to have some sort of say in what their child believes is important in the world. Um, that's where I find people parent from. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like the uh, the tasks balancing or whatever, for me, I feel like I'm a really optimistic person, maybe even naive to the point where I was like, oh, I'll be fine to keep, I don't know, I'm, like I look back now and I'm like, wow, what an idiot. I think she was like, how can it be that hard? And especially when you're in that newborn bubble, they, all they do is sleep. Yep. Like it does feel like it, yep. it kicks in later when like especially now I have a toddler who's hectic and runs around. So if I'm trying to mm-hmm. cook dinner and then trying to do a million things and there's mess everywhere, like it's so easy for our partners to just come 
come home and to like an actual bombs hit sometimes. Like I'm lucky my parents totally. like very understanding. He even joked to our neighbour yesterday. He was like, because the neighbour was like, oh, what do you guys do for work? And he told her what he did and then he was like, but Amy has the real job here. Amy's got the full-time job and like made a joke. <laughs> and like the lady was like. That's beautiful because it's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. And, and she was like, more men need to be like you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, so he's very understanding. Yeah, it's really but, true. But it is hard sometimes, like, because I want to be on top of everything and I want to, like, I don't know, just for my own sake, I just feel like I want to have it all together. <laughs> but you just have yeah. to admit that you don't. <laughs> Absolutely. This is a conversation I have with women often. Like, if they come to me separate by themselves with coaching, I'm often saying, you can't hold all the balls. Like, there has to be something that lets go. And if the house is a mess, if, you know, who cares? Like I had to really let go of the fact that there were dishes in my sink when I had a newborn because I just couldn't. I was like, mm. I would have gone under. I was trying to bre- learn how to breastfeed, let alone do the dishes. So mm. if someone was, and people come over all the time in that stage, right? They want to visit the babies mm. and your house is like this disaster. I was like, whatever, yeah. me all you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, um, and I, I love the point that you said that the values kind of come in. I guess that kind of links to the next question of, like what to do if your parenting styles are really different with your partner? Mm. Uh, so this happened with me. Um, my partner and I are very, very different. And what we did was have a discussion around like why things are important to us. So I was really keen to understand. So first of all, my which is the word that I use in nearly every single session, have a curious mindset as opposed to judging them on the way that they parent and thinking that you're right and they're wrong. Be curious as to the way that they parent and try to understand their perspective and why things are important for them. Um, like my husband is really likes to be quite strict and he wants to teach our son discipline. And I want to be like, he just needs to make all the choices. And interestingly, he thought it'd be the other way. He thought he'd be the fun parent. I'm the fun parent. (laughs) So he really implements those boundaries and I have to constantly get better at implementing those boundaries. But we had to have a discussion around why those two things are important. Like I was like, I need him to be able to have choice in the world and know that his say is really important. And he's like, I want him to have discipline and listen to elders. And so it was just a really interesting conversation to understand and then I respected his perspective a lot more Mm. and I suppose we then chatted about how how we can make it like merge in a way or not interrupt each other's parenting style because Mm. I used to rush in and rescue my son when I thought that he was like being too harsh with him and he's not even like he's just like keeping him in line or I suppose but Mm. it's I was like, oh, he's crying. He can't cry. He can't yell at him like that. And maybe that's a really good thing because he responds really well to that. You know, whereas when I let him do whatever the hell he wants, he has no boundaries sometimes and that's not a great way of parenting. So it was respecting his way of doing it and him respecting my way of doing it, which isn't easy. I, you, like I will say that. You have to revisit it constantly. Mm, yeah, I was going to say because I feel like sometimes in the moment, like where things are heated or whatever, it's so hard to hear each other. Is that what you find? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to take a breath. Like in that moment, right, when, you, when you're feeling heated and you're being, you're being triggered, your brain has gone offline, but, you know, whoever it is. So trying to have a rational discussion in that moment doesn't work. You have to have some space, some time away, and then come back and revisit it because you have, I'm sure people know that when you're in conflict in that time, nothing productive happens because mm. your brain has literally gone offline, like in the fight or flight mode, to 
just it can't cope it's overwhelmed it's flooded and it needs space to come back online Mm. and what happens sometimes if you feel like you can't come to a resolution because sometimes me and my partner because my partner sounds similar to yours like he's very discipline based and he's like I don't know like he's just made comments that like I disagree with like I feel like I'm much more gentler and open and stuff and then we just kind of get to a point where we're like okay let's just agree to disagree and we don't really get anywhere and our daughter's so young still but I'm like what's going to happen as she gets older like are we going to keep clashing on those things like what would you suggest to get through that? Yeah I would um, again keep trying to understand the perspective in not in the moment when the conflict is there so like I don't know over dinner on a walk like just be really curious about it but again you don't have to agree and your child can and I'll like disclaimer I'm not a parenting expert but in my perspective your child can have two different parenting styles and learn from them I don't feel like um, as long as you don't undermine each other I don't feel like you need to have one um, style because then they take what they need from each person. Mm. Um, the tricky thing is like my son's almost three and he knows how to play us against each other. <laughs> so I have to just really like when my husband's doing something, I have to go, no, dad's told you, mm. you know, you need to listen to what he said rather than me going, oh, okay, don't worry about it, which is what I would have done in the past. So yeah, whoever takes the lead, I let the, I'd let them take the lead. And if you, if you fundamentally disagree with it, like, I don't know, they're hitting the kid and you really don't agree with that, then just make sure you have some sort of discussion about, I think if you can get to the why around it, maybe bring in some research if it's something that you're worried about and you've got more understanding, you've done more reading or more learning about it, about why that's bad for the child and see if you can get in that way. That's what I've done anyway. I've had mm. to bring in like, this is something that I've read. Why don't you listen to this audio book? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do you have any tips around planning ahead with like domestic duties? Because I guess they're never ending when you come into that newborn life. Um, yeah, how, how would you suggest planning that out with your partner if they are going to work and you're feeling like super run down or is it just we all need to lower our expectations? <laughs> oh, I think a little bit of both. Um, but... If it helps, I'd have something really practical. Like I went to a client's, not client's, my nail lady's house the other day and she told me she had on the fridge like all the tasks that needed doing um, and they'd write the tasks and when one person had done it, they'd tick the task off. So when her partner got home from work, he would come in and go, this is what needs doing. So it wasn't her telling him Mm. what needed doing. They'd agreed on the tasks prior to that. And I really like that idea because sometimes you just really don't want to get into the mode of like being their mother and telling them what to do because it just... Um, it just unbalances the relationship and it's not healthy um so either like delegate like you're you you're doing the washing up and I'm doing the washing or if you can't come to an agreement where you just both pitch in I'd make it really super practical mm. how are we going to do it how, like come together this is what needs doing this is what I think needs doing this is what you think needs doing how do we get it done like make it a brainstorming activity between the two of you and mm. then see if it works maybe it doesn't Um, and then try something else. Yeah, I love that because I don't know if this is like a stereotypical thing, but I feel like a lot of men or my partner is very practical. And so whenever Mm. I am like stressed out or whatever, he's like, I'm not a mind reader. You need to tell me how to help you. And so that's such a great thing if I had it written on the fridge. Like, yeah, that's amazing because I feel like he would be like, oh, great, it's here. He's a practical guy. He can see what needs to be done and he knows that that would help me. So I feel like that's, yeah, a great tip. Yeah. 
And most men, in my experience, want to help, right? But I did this last night. I was running around like an idiot. My husband's like, what's wrong? I'm like, so much to do. And he goes, what needs doing? And I'm like, this, this. And he's like, you don't have to do it all. And I was like, oh, thanks for the reminder. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I take it all on. Like I work from home, so I'm like, oh, I can do all this. Yeah. Um, but I'm still working. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, they want to, I in my experience, they want to help. So let them help. However, my caveat is, if you let your partner help, you can't control how they help. So if you ask them to wash up and they don't wash up the way that you like it washed up, that you have to leave it because if you interrupt telling them how to do it, they're not going to want to help you, mm, not yeah. help you. They're not going because the tasks aren't helping you. They're not going to want to participate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so this was a big one that came up on my questionnaire box on Instagram the other day and it was sex after a baby. So how do we keep the peace with each other, keep each other happy if we have set, uh, different sex drives? Yeah, I think this is probably quite common um, because people are exhausted, you know, different stuff happens biologically after you have a kid. Um, I would just have really open conversations about where you're at. I find in Australia we do not talk about sex. We don't talk about what our needs are in sex. It's like this taboo topic. Um, but don't be ashamed to let your partner in on where you're at and what you would like and um, what you feel you're ready for and what you feel you're not ready for. And I feel like if you're in a healthy relationship, that will be respected um, and heard. And I don't want ever want anyone having sex when they don't want to have sex um, there's plenty of other ways for people to get pleasure um, so there's no need to feel bad if if you're not in a space where you feel ready and you can also change your mind at any moment right you could feel like you're ready for sex tonight and then you're not anymore because you've been up all night with a baby or you're just exhausted and women like need emotional space generally to want to do it um, men don't generally um, so it's hard when you're a mum and you're exhausted. Mm. Do you find that comes up in your clinic very often? Like is it um like is that more of a male concern, the sex thing, or do women have it or uh yes and no. Because sex isn't really talked about, sometimes people don't even feel comfortable talking about it with me. Like I have European couples who are so open about like I have people all over the world and I just find that Australia um uk and like america sometimes are like really do not want to talk about sex um and there's this real shame attached to it um so sometimes if they're not going to talk to their partner about it rarely will they tell me about it um but if i have like i had a couple from um, paris who so open talked about like it was just another topic of conversation um so it was really easy to talk about with each other so i think you just have to again try and understand your partner's perspective around it yeah, and I think it's like maybe another thing to even talk about like through pregnancy or even before, like how things can change because even for me I didn't mm -hmm. really expect it would change as much but like there's never been a time in my life where I have not wanted to be touched <laughs> in that postpartum mm. period and, yeah, it was just crazy for me because I hadn't experienced that before and it was, yeah, kind of like a shock to us both. Totally. Like my son is almost three. I only just now I'm okay with having my nipples touched because I had yeah. so much problems breastfeeding. Like before that I was like, don't touch them. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, 
so yeah absolutely i mean the, you don't know what you're in for right and there's no talk about that there's so much talk about the birth but there's hardly any talk about what comes afterwards mm. and i always heard the, the phrase being touched out and for ages i didn't really understand mm. it because when my daughter was super young like newborn i'd never really felt touched out like that was just me but other people would say they would but now that she's a toddler she still sometimes wants to like she kind of like puts her hands and she like puts her hands in my crease of my elbow here like to get to sleep and sometimes if it takes her a while to get to sleep it's like half an hour of my elbow is getting fingered and then by by the time I come to bed or like that night I'm like I actually understand it being touched out now because I'm just like Mm. oh these little little fingers are all over me and yeah like I love her but now it's getting to the point where I'm like I understand touched out and then the last thing I want is to like be cuddled or touched by anyone else yeah totally and I remember um, like giving birth thinking, oh, I'm going to get my body back. It's going to be mine again. And then you breastfeed mm. and then you're like, this is worse. I feel like this is worse. I don't have my body yeah. back at all because now yeah. I'm on tap all the time. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. I remember yeah. thinking that like after pregnancy, like, oh, yes, it's, <laughs> it's me again. And it's like, no, it's another yeah. year on top of that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so do you have any suggestions for connecting and feeling close with our partner in other ways if we're just like sex and touching is not for us? <laughs> yeah, um, I think in my opinion, what happens is that when people have children, they almost go from being couple to being parents. And so, so much talk is around the kid. Um, like there's a Bluey episode where like one of the um, kids goes to bed and the parents stay up talking about the kids. And they're like, do you just talk about us when you go to sleep? <laughs> and like, I'd certainly, like, we certainly get into that habit. Um so again, getting to know each other, I think is really nice. Like getting really vulnerable. There's some really cute like date cards that you can buy. Like I've got some packs that I do with clients sometimes and they're just questions, prompts um, that you can ask your partner to, like this is a, you've all, you've both kind of been rebirthed. Getting to know each other and being vulnerable, you'll become more connected with each other. And I also love play and fun. So I always pair vulnerability with play and fun. So let, let's get really serious, trying to understand each other more, know each other on a deeper level. And then how can we have fun? How can we have that play, that silliness, that um, enjoyment together again? Um, because, again, sometimes we get really serious as parents when um, it's the perfect time to be an idiot because you have a little kid who's an idiot. <laughs> like you can muck around, you can do the silly things and feel okay about it. Mm, yeah I love that because I think it's so easy to just to get caught in the day-to-day tasks and stuff and then when you do that yeah you're just like focused and like I think that also makes you it can make you grumpier because you're like oh I've got to Mm -hmm. do the cleaning I've got to do this and then if your partner gets home from work you're like oh I've been doing this all day but yeah like it's so true like playing outside or going for a walk it just grounds you so much yes totally and what I find is that people fall into like generally when they come to see me, they're in some kind of resentment. Like my partner doesn't help. This is he hasn't done anything. And I'm like, have you spoken about it? <laughs> so in times they're like, no, we've never had a conversation. I'm like, again, like your partner's not a mind reader. How did you expect stuff to magically change? Yeah. Um, so, so if you're feeling that resentment, as soon as you're feeling it, don't let it linger for days or months. Like mm. bring it up. Yeah. I actually saw a thing on Instagram this morning about the biggest thing that couples, the biggest it's not ever really the problem they say, it's the lack of mm-hmm. communicating the problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Mm. Communication is like the number one thing I work on. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like what happened to us? Like how so many of us just don't know how to do it properly? Or Yeah. Well, we didn't learn, right? Again, we learned that from our parents, our caregivers, the people that were closest to us. And like if I look at my parents, if you're listening, they are terrible at conflict. Like, And so when I got into my relationship, I absolutely like mimicked that mm. um, and it just didn't work. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. And leading on to the next question about when I guess you have a child with your partner, the in-laws come in a lot as well. So then you're de- you have a lot more to deal with their parents. Um, mm-hmm. How how can we confront our partner if we've got problems with the in-laws or even their parenting? I've seen a lot of things about people having troubles with their in-laws and disciplining their child, and that can probably be quite upsetting. <laughs> so what? Yeah, yeah. What is your advice on that one? Yeah, boundaries, have very strong boundaries. This is your and your partner's kid, so you make the choice around how you parent your child, not your in-laws, not your parents, not the nurse down the road. Like you've got to choose what you want and then stick to it and just put boundaries in place. If you don't want them to do that, tell them you don't like them doing it or tell your husband to tell them however you feel like you want to communicate. Um, I see this come up in different cultures all the time, but it's still I still honestly believe that you can set the boundaries of what you're okay with and not okay with and if they don't want to stick to it then they don't get to hang out with your kid <laughs> like mm-hmm. um there's you know that Glenn and Doyle book oh, God, I can't remember and what's it called it's so good anyway she said something there's a line in that about like um like her daughter sticking to what she wants to do and like not and her telling her mother, like, you can't come in and tell, like, a daughter was a teenager at this point, but you can't tell her how to live her life or you're gone. Like, I'm going to prioritise my daughter over you, which mm. was her life. Um, yeah, that was terrible at quoting, but <laughs> look up the book. It's amazing. <laughs> untamed, untamed. What's it? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So it's yeah. A book. yeah, one of my friends, um, her partner's parents are, different culturally and she was telling me that she really struggled with with that and got really upset with their way of wanting to parent their child and yeah to the point where she felt that she almost had to say to them like you can't visit you can't look after our child if this is if you're not going to respect what we say and I can Mm -hmm. just imagine that would be such a hard conversation to have but you have to put your own child first yeah absolutely and like boundary conversations are never easy in my experience um, but they're so worth it. And you have to, the thing with boundaries is you can't just do it once and then let it go. Like you have to hold it in place. Mm. And I find yeah. um, chatting about in-laws and or even just our own parents, whenever something comes up, I find it such an interesting space to then learn about my partner and then his beliefs mm-hmm. from from how that kind of came about. Like we, mm-hmm. my partner and I, we love that. When something comes up for us about our parents, we're like, okay, so how, like how did that make you feel when, that, when you were a kid? Like how can we, like do we want to do this? Do we not want to do this? Like it's such an interesting conversation to then learn about your partner as well. Yes, what a great way to approach it. Well <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favourite <laughs> things about being a parent with him because we're just like we learn so much about each other in our childhood. <laughs> yeah, but see if you keep that curiosity mindset, mm. wanting to learn rather than falling into who's right or who's wrong, mm. you can learn so much. Otherwise, you don't. You close up that space for learning. Mm. Yeah, so I would love to chat about money and our relationship. So a lot of the time 
our partner will go back to work and we'll stay home or we'll be on a reduced income. How can we navigate those feelings of, I guess, earning less or, yeah, does, does money come up a bit in your clinic? Yeah, in my perspective, it's household money. Um, so I'm a little bit strict on that in that I don't think that the woman or whoever stays home should be having less to live on just because they're not working because you're working because you have a kid to raise and it's like your partner says it's a 24-hour role and it is. Um, so I would have that discussion prior to having a kid because you know what's going to happen then. You know that at the end of 18 weeks or however long your maternity leave is that it's going to end and even then like the mat leave payments are crappy. Um, so you can budget out what you're going to get and what it will look like and how do we make it work um for us like does that mean we need to save before we have the kid if you're disorganized like me and don't do that then how are we going to work out how we live like for me it was such a beautiful lesson on what is necessary in my life because I think we were just spending frivolously before that so it was actually really good to rein that in and keep those um behaviors while as he grows up and as I'm working again um but we really had a really open honest conversation about this is the income coming in and this is what we can both have and this is what bills and et cetera. So mm. I don't think that anyone should have to suffer individually for that. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I think for me that was such a stress thinking about it when I was pregnant, like how is it going to work and how like I, yeah, like we now just split my partner's income in half and it's just it is what it is. We don't have joint bank accounts. To be honest, that stresses me out because I don't want him to know about my addiction to coffee <laughs> and <laughs> spending how many coffees I buy a week. <laughs> there was like a hell funny meme on Instagram where it was like my partner goes to work every day and then it's just like and me with my like $20 coffee going to Target. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Yeah, guilty. Um, no, but yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, if you're, I think having that conversation again about, yeah, the household income and where it goes and stuff is, yeah, really important to not feel like that. I do see, I don't know if you're in a lot of um, like mother's groups on Facebook. I feel like that's a big thing that comes up for women that their partners kind of, in a sense, like blackmail them because they earn the money and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a real patriarchal view. Like it's BS and I don't subscribe to it at all so if I have anyone come in I will challenge them on that because it's I think traditionally that's how it was done but it doesn't work like it just puts the woman at the bottom it doesn't value the work that's done as a mother um and I think you work harder when you're at home with a kid than you do going to there was so many times that I was like god I'd much prefer to go to work at this point and you mm. stay home like mm. this is challenging like mm. I'm the one that gets up in the night, you know, I'm the mm. one that does this, does this. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like when my daughter's at home and I'm with her for a full day, I feel so much more exhausted than just mm -hmm. when she, like today she's at daycare. So, and I'm like, I know yep. that I'll, ha I'll have energy all day today, but then, yeah, tomorrow I'll be so cooked by 2 p.m. <laughs> it's so true. And when they're homesick from daycare, you're like, oh, I'm yeah. to this. Like my boy <laughs> goes four days a week and I'm like, if he's off sick, I'm like, oh, this is taking away from my time. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. We had, we've just put her in a new daycare and we're, we did orientation the other day. And so I, I thought that I could drop her there for an hour, her get used to it and me sit in the car and like do some work for an hour. And they're like, no, no, you can stay in here with her for this one so I was like okay and so I'm sitting there with like 10 or 12 15 kids that were her age and they were all climbing on me they wanted bubbles and I was like I don't know how people do this I'm like well done to those educators agreed agreed Ooh. my hat's off to you yeah like there's just so much energy going on <laughs> yeah 
Um, so do you speak to our, like, do you speak to partners in particular about any issues that they might come up for them? <laughs> I'm losing my words again. Um, post-birth? Did that question make sense? Uh, it's kind of has been like, like if it's a male-female relationship, the male is the woman's given birth. Is that what you mean? Yeah, like if you, yeah, if you yeah. would have like, yeah, dads come in and say, these are the issues that I'm finding. Like is there like dad particular issues that you find come up? Um, God, it depends on the couple. If I, like whenever I work with a couple, there will generally be the person who's engaged to work with me and the partner who's kind of coming along. Um very rarely we'll have two people going, yeah, we need to do this and we're ready. Mm. Um, so generally the one that hasn't engaged my services might be a bit more quiet. So I will try and draw some more information out the, like about what they need. Mm. Um, and I like in my perspective, communication conflict, um, a lot of the time for men being told what to do or how to do things or um, that really grates against them. And in the masculine, the highest value of the masculine is freedom. So that is why, and for um, the feminine, it's security. So you can understand why this clash happens a lot, but it's, um, like I said before, when you give a job, you have to let it be done how they do it without you having control. So many women just want to control the situation, and I get it. They feel like they have to but you don't and it's exhausting you to think you have to control it all and do it all. Mm. Yeah, because I always like I think when you're in the depths of sleep deprivation and you're just focusing on keeping your little human alive, like I just I, don't, I didn't really stop to think how is my partner going, like how mm. is he, like what kind of things are coming up for him and I don't know if many women feel like that. So, yeah, like is there anything like that that particularly are men likely to get postnatal depression do you know yeah I don't know about that I do have men feeling like they're like left out of the dynamic particularly if the woman's breastfeeding because the baby will um, settle easier with the woman the mum and will like go to her for for, like the basic needs so therefore as the kid kind of grows up it's used to going to the mum for like you feed me, you comfort me, like mm. all of those things together. And then the man can feel a little bit like, what's my role here? Like, how do I mm. help? And and why doesn't the kid want me? Or mm. um, so I think there's a, a, a little bit of um, like, why are you choosing mum over me all the time? Or like, why am I not important sometimes, depending on their mm. self-worth and their needs? That's yeah. the things that I see come up with dads. Um, I don't know statistically on mm postnatal depression or not yeah yeah and I Mm. feel like I always say to my partner like as she gets older you're like he's probably going to be more fun because he wants to go down the slides at the playground and stuff and I'm not saying all mums don't want to do that I personally just don't like squeezing my body into tiny little slides (laughs) (laughs) or getting stuck (laughs) yeah oh I hate static electricity it's like my (laughs) and whenever you go down the slide you get zapped and I'm like and your hair's like (laughs) (laughs) so I'm like that is not for me like if anyone else wants to do that with my child go for it (laughs) yeah um okay so what if all these things aren't working and you're really struggling with your partner I've heard a lot of people say that or you know staying together for the kids what are your thoughts on this and how can divorce affect your kids or is it worse to stay together 
Uh, first of all, I'd get some help. So I'd get some sort of external help, a counsellor, a coach, come see me, come see anyone. Just seek support outside of yourself because so often people are so blindsided with how they think they've done everything they can and then when you get a different perspective on things, you're just too in it. So when you have someone external that can kind of look in and go, let's try this strategy, let's do this differently, let's see if this works. I'm like 110% of the belief of like, let's do everything we can, get the relationship to a 10 out of 10. And then if you choose to separate, great, you've chosen to separate, but then you're going to co-parent anyway. So I want you to have a really good relationship around communication, around conflict, around decisions, because you're going to have to have those skills regardless of whether you're together or not to raise a healthy child because you can have a really healthy separation. It's not, I don't think people should stay together to stay together, um, but I think you should do everything you can, even if the other party's not um, taking part in it. So even if you feel like you're doing all the work, if you feel like you've done everything you can, you've changed the way you communicate, um, you know, you've done everything you can and the other person's not coming to the party, at least you know I've done everything that I can, mm. you know. Um, can divorce affect kids absolutely but so can staying together um i think what affects the kids the most probably is the conflict and the the way that the conflict is had um i'm not against conflict i'm very pro conflict i'm also very very pro fighting in front of your kids i think it's important for them to see how conflict is done but conflict needs to be done productively and there needs to be some repair of that conflict so you show your kid we can have an argument but this is how we repair it at the end you know so we can apologise to each other. We can take ownership for our part. So I think it's really healthy for them to see that. I know a lot of adults that I work with, have their parents never showed them conflict. It was mm. um, either really explosive conflict, not done in a good way, or it was just was not done. They did not fight. But kids feel all the energies and they know something's happening. So mm. regardless of whether you're using words to fight, they know if something's not right in the house. Mm, yeah, yeah, so interesting. Um, if we are, so I had one comment um, in my box, in my box, in my comment box saying <laughs> <laughs> saying uh, that they, they they just despise their partner, like their, their newborn is like 10 weeks. She's like, how do I stop despising my partner? I hate him because he doesn't have nipples. I hate him because he can't do this. <laughs> I mean, he has nipples. <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> nipples that don't produce milk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't have nipples. <laughs> it's none of our business um so <laughs> what are some tips for getting the spark back post-birth yeah like first of all if you despise your partner it's probably very normal so like just know that it's just a phase I don't think you probably actually despise them with the the comedic things that are coming out but um like take a breath and some space away the spark can come back and it will come back, but give it time. I think if you rush any of these things in the beginning, like you're really living in survival mode, in my experience, when you have a newborn. So there's no space to get the spark back at that point. And that's okay. Like this is just another phase of your life that will pass. Like everything passes. Emotions pass. Like I remember I used to always say in my head, like it's always darkest before the dawn. Like I'd be up feeding my boy and I'd be like, when the light comes up, I'm going to feel better. As soon as it was light outside again, I'd be like, I remember a nurse saying to me, I was like, oh, it's so much better. I feel like I'm a human again and everything's going to be okay. And um, so I've kind of gone off track, but I've, I'm on this big spiel at the moment about like why it's so important to feel all of your emotions and not like blacklist the ones that we deem as bad. So 
I think that's important. Getting the spark back, I think, like I said before, is a real mixture of like that fun and play and the vulnerability. That's how that feels like my, I feel like I've, it's what I've nailed around getting the spark back. If you can have those two things, opening up the lines of communication around understanding your partner, them understanding you on a deeper level, like letting them in, let, let them see your soul um, and really lean into that trust with them and then also have fun, have like playfulness and silliness. I think sometimes people underestimate how much that can get the spark back because mm. you could be silly mucking around, grabbing your partner's butt, like, you know, and next minute you're having sex. Like you can, it can be really fun and playful. So it doesn't have to be this, Okay, Tuesday at 6 p.m. we're going to have sex. But also that works for some people. Some people schedule in sex and that's okay too. Mm. Yeah, I, I love that as well, everything that you said. It, it does like take a while. And I remember I kept thinking, oh, you know, when I'm out of the fourth trimester, things will get normal. When I get to this point, when she's six months, and for us, like my partner and I have discussed it now, we actually say the first year felt like really quite difficult and then post a year like after her first birthday we were like wow we have got the hang of this now like we're feeling good we feel like we can go out again we can do things and that felt really good for us and in the in the moment it does feel like a long time but then now it's done that year's done like we you know it does go so fast at the same time yeah Mm. yeah that's when the most separations happen the first year of Mm. child after the child's born so that makes total sense Yeah. yeah the other thing I just thought of was that you need to have that desire, you have to have space. So like Esther Perel talks about this beautifully. She talks about like desires like the flame and when you have um, no space, you suffocate the flame, right? When you put um, like a tea towel over a fire, you put out the fire because there's no air for it to breathe. Mm. So you need that space in your relationship and it's so important as even when you have a tiny baby, go out for half an hour and get a coffee on your own. Like your husband's not going to die, partner's not going to die with having the baby there they're going to cope you know and it's really important for them to bond in that time too like I don't know go sit at the front of the house or just have some space you can make even five minutes of space for yourself even like the day after baby's born so just Mm. make space and the older that they get take bigger space really important to spend time apart yeah Uh, definitely really important yeah, yeah, and I think as a like a, especially a first time mother, it is hard to get your brain out of the fact that like some your baby will be okay with someone that loves your baby as much as you do kind of thing and that's one thing Mm -hmm. I had to keep saying to myself like even if other people who look after her might have different styles and looking after her different like parenting styles at the end of the day they still want the best for her and they love her as well so I had to like remind myself of that like everything that they do like is fine like if my mom or my partner's mom I'm like well they raised us and it's like we're alive like totally totally yeah. yeah, totally. And your kid only needs one secure attachment to be okay. So if you, if one person can provide a secure base for that kid, um, the kid will be raised really well. Like they'll mm. also have a secure attachment generally. Mm. Um, is there anything else that we haven't covered today that you would like to add Probably. in regards to? <laughs> okay, go. The floor is yours. No, 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 no. <laughs> we could talk about this all day. Yeah, I feel like there's so much to cover. Like even now I'm like, oh, I had to, I I don't know, I've lost my brain today, I swear. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, nothing else that comes to mind that you go over much with your clients in clinic? I think like I will just 
touch back on the emotions because it seems to be a theme at the moment. I don't know if there's like a lot. I've had a lot of people cry in session, um, which they get really issue. They're like, sorry for crying. Like, no, no, please. Like, this is a safe place to cry. Um, But I really want to re-emphasize, you know, particularly after you've had a baby, like emotions are so key. Like, feel it all. Know that it's going to pass. Because the problem is that when we don't feel the emotion, like we get sad, we don't feel it, we go, I shouldn't be sad. We get, we teach our kids, don't cry, you'll be okay, get yourself up, no, cry. Like it's mm. okay to be upset, it's okay to be angry, it's okay to be jealous. All of the emotions are like just as important as happiness, as joy, they're all really, really important. And when we don't feel them, they get squashed down in our body somewhere and either come up as an illness or come out of us in anger at one point because we've stuffed it all down. Like just let it be there and sit there Mm. and tell your partner that they don't need to fix it. You just need to sit in the emotion Mm. um, and just let it be there. Yeah, I think that's such a big thing as well. I see, I've seen the little meme go around on Instagram where it's like two women and one woman says, how are you? And the other woman says, I'm okay. But then she's thinking, I'm not okay. I have to do this. I have to do that or whatever. Have you seen that meme? No, I haven't. Oh, I haven't, but I can like, relate. I, yeah. um, I've made such a deal now to tell my close friends, like when they say, like, how are you? If I'm not okay, I'm like, I'm not okay. I'm not having a good day because then they can support you and you might just need like a five-minute chat to just blur. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Out and that's yeah. Okay. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Sometimes you just, it is you do feel so much better because I always do it when my friends ask via text. If I'm not okay, I'm like, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening, and I don't expect them to fix anything. I just want them to validate mm-hmm. me and be like, you, you've gone through a lot, girl. Like, you, you got this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like, that's all mm-hmm. I need. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so just let it out. See what happens with your friends. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And, you know, if you're angry, like, go punch a pillow, go scream. I don't know what that TV show was, but they went to the train station, they screamed when the train came, like, oh, you know, yeah. go drive into the middle of nowhere and scream, like, just, yeah. you know, get it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, don't hold it in. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, Awesome. Well, thank you for joining me today, Beck. This has been so fun chatting with you again. Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's show. If you want to follow me, you can follow me over on Instagram at The Post Party Project where I share images and videos of the lovely people I chat with. Um, If you want to get in touch with Beck or follow Beck on Instagram, you can check her out at the underscore relationship underscore circle on Instagram. And if you're interested in sharing your birth or postpartum story, I would love to hear from you. You can hit me up on Instagram or my Gmail is at the, oh, sorry, the postpartyproject at gmail.com. Thank you. Have a great day.